support over the years. Um, as a missionary, it's really impossible to describe how comforting it is when you can live and serve and love people and not have that, where will the next month's income come from? And that you are a part of that, a part of whatever happens in Ukraine is because you are there just as surely as you stood beside me because of the support you give. So I want to thank you for that. Um, I didn't bring any slides today because we basically were in lockdown for a year. I thought I could show you pictures of me on Zoom, but I didn't know if it would be very encouraging. So um, it has been, for those of you who might not know, I'm giving you just a very brief glimpse of uh, Ukraine to watch the culture change over the years. Uh, back in 95, the first time my husband David and I ever went to Ukraine with Herschel and Mardine Martindale, um, everybody wanted a Bible. Everybody wanted to talk about the gospel. Everybody wanted to hear about God. What was once forbidden could now be discussed or even embraced, and um, people had no hope. So they were turning to God as the source of eternal hope. Over the years, I've seen the effect of Western culture come into Ukraine. I mean, the doors opened and lots of good things came in, but of course the door was open to lots of things that maybe weren't quite as good. And um, as time went on, people began to turn to other things for hope, just like we all do. Material possessions, they began to get jobs and dreams they had were just almost within their grasp. They didn't see their need for God because other things were taking their place. But we have had things happen in Ukraine, just as in America, that affects area, every area of your life. Most recently for all of us and for Ukraine was COVID. Economy, relationships, health, everything was turned upside down. And also they faced the reality of that continued war with Russia, which is just an undercurrent that affects everything we do because it's there and it just doesn't go away. So I have really seen how suffering and affliction is something God uses to draw people to himself. I've seen it in my own life as I continue to grieve the loss of my husband, David, who died three years ago. I mean, he was my world and I am still devastated by that loss. But I also see it in Ukraine, economic hardships, the war with Russia, COVID. Every changing situation shows people that they cannot count on anything in this world to stay the same. They can't count on hope in governments or NATO. The only hope we have, the only thing that will not change is Jesus. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the stability. He is the still point. He is the anchor. And um, I think he draws us with his love, but sometimes he calls us to that through pain. He brings us to him so that we can hear him. And I know one thing I've been learning is that the goodness of God has to have a new definition, and it has to be his definition. It is deeper and richer and less understandable than I thought. But God is still good through all that you've been through and we've been through. But we need to let God define what good is, I think. And so in this unstable, hurting world that you live in and I live in, we keep searching for ways to share that timeless message of Jesus Christ. And I really feel like the very instability of the time gives us a voice, just like my grief gave me a voice. It gives us a voice too because we know what will never change. So something I've learned in this past year of quarantine 
is that it's tempting for me to focus on projects. I like projects. Humanitarian aid and evangelism and construction sites and um, it's great. I love that aspect of my missionary role. But of course, since COVID hit, none of that was possible for months. We really were in a pretty total lockdown for a long stretch of time. And even now, it's pretty limited scale that we can do anything of that scale, anything that involves a group of people at the same time. But it's interesting what God reminded me of this past year, and it was precious. It was as if he said, what was my command to you again? <laughs> he said, it's Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Make disciples one at a time. This is a little different than God saying, go make a project, which is really what's easier for me to do. I mean, projects are great. They help people grow and they can serve. But more and more this year, out of necessity and seeing what God is, has for me, I've been spending more and more time intentionally working in that aspect of making disciples one or two at a time. Um, and so God's work, as I'm sure you've seen, it continues. COVID can't stop it. And in many ways, it's forced me into really being more fruitful in the areas of ministry and discipleship one at a time. God causes all things to work together for good. My good, which is his good, for all those who called according to his purpose. And I have seen this in this past year. Restrictions are starting to ease in Ukraine, but I just wanted to tell you what discipleship looked like for me in this past year, just for a few minutes. Um, Bible verse packets. When COVID first hit, I couldn't meet with anybody. I couldn't leave my apartment, and all the public transportation was shut down. So my friend Masha and I, across the city, prepared little Bible verse packets that talked about God's resources, his faithfulness, his love, his mercy, his strength. And this brave taxi driver agreed to drive me around the city where I masked up and reached out and gave different friends these packets of Bible verses to memorize. And then every week I would contact them through Facebook and we would memorize these verses together to help us during this very difficult time. And in this small way, I was trying to help teach them to meditate on God's word, to lean into his word for comfort and strength during difficult times. Um, Bible study, of course, although I don't like it, I began to have weekly Bible studies uh, with women on Zoom, studying different books of the Bible, seeking to learn how to apply them to our lives. In some ways, it was easier not having to travel long distance, but it's always better in person, isn't it? But we met on Zoom with one worship, a woman, Masha. We had a unique way of deciding which book we were going to study. This may sound a little unorthodox. For those of you who like to plan, this might be a little challenging for you. But remember, our world was shut down. And so we used a form of the lot system. And every time we were going to start studying a new book, both of us would write down four books we wanted to study, and we would put them on our Facebook, and simultaneously we would hit send. And if either of the books matched, if there was one book she wanted and a book that I wanted, that's the next one we would study together. And you know, for a whole year we did that. And every time we hit send, both of us had chosen the same book in those books. And so... 
for us, you know, fun is where you find it, isn't it? And so it was the adventure of seeing what God would do and what he would have us do next. But we would study and we asked God to change us, to help us live what we were learning in his word. With another friend, I just started um, studying a book called Out of the Salt Shaker into the World. Again, that encouraged you to make evangelism a way of life, not just an event that I would do on a Saturday and an outpouring of who you are. Um, often you teach by example and doing things together. So I found that to be the challenging part of COVID when you're doing things long distance. But we did what we could during this unusual time. And then finally, we encouraged each other to serve and give and share. There were just like maybe three windows in the whole year where things eased up just a little bit and we were able to reach out into small villages. So at Christmas time, we took gifts for the children and food for the families. And um, we did a week of construction in another village where we stayed outside all the time and evangelism where we stayed outside all the time. And again, the purpose was to serve people, but also to remind each other that this is how we should live. And I've been encouraged since we've done all those things, to watch my friends continue to serve, to make gifts for old people, to give packages to newly pregnant or newly women that just had their baby, to go to the park and do evangelism. This is an example of using an event to encourage each other to look for opportunities around us. Finally, music and the gospel. Something important I learned was about the gospel itself. And uh, God's word says, go and preach the gospel to the world. And of course, that's what we should do. But as believers, I'm realizing more and more that we need to keep preaching the gospel to ourselves too. The good news is for me and it's for us. And we need to remember the hope we have in Jesus, the expectation of heaven, the knowledge that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. And a part of discipleship is encouraging believers to keep the gospel fresh in their hearts as they share with people, and they're also hearing it themselves and sharing the truth of the gospel in their own lives. And I, for me, I really needed to keep preaching the gospel to myself. There is a lot of darkness and despair and grief. And in the beginning, I found that I was writing songs that were full of darkness and anguish and sorrow. And I think they were from God, but I know that grief and faith walk together, so I really ask God to help me write songs of hope as well, not just of the deep sorrow that I feel. And so I looked back at my old journals where I could find hope, and I found snatches of melodies I'd written or one verse from a psalm for some future song I might write someday. And so I asked God to help me, and I began writing songs for myself and my believing friends in Kiev, really simple songs in English so they could sing them. And then on Sundays, two or three people would come over um, and we would have worship together and communion and eat. And so this song I would like to sing for you is um, the first song that I taught them. And I gave them this song and one man said, you know, this is all about Jesus. And I said, yes, it's all about Jesus. <laughs> so in conclusion, I'd like to sing that song for you and just um, maybe you can imagine a little group of believers in Ukraine sitting around singing this song in English uh, with the hope that we have in the Lord.
beautiful. Hey, can I pray for you before we go? Thank you so much. Congregation, can you join in, in prayer with me, please? Father God, we thank you so much for that love that Mindy just shared with us, God, that, that it is your will that we all must come to you. And we thank you that, um, that we, can, we can take part in that and that we are included in that. God, I thank you so much for the heart that Mindy has, not just that she shared with us and for the people in Ukraine, but for the gifts that you give her to be able to, to lift that up in song. We pray as a congregation that we would continue to support her in the work that she is doing day in and day out. God, we thank you for her constants. We thank you for 
just her compassion, God. Amen. Well, congregation, to start our time today uh, in, in study and in teaching, I would like to um, have a little exercise if you would join me in it. I'm going to ask about three questions, and there are going to be fine gentlemen that are piece, passing out pieces of paper. If you don't have something to write on, you can, you can choose whatever you would like to write on, but if you don't, raise your hand, and they'll give you something to write on, or, or a, maybe a, a pen as well. Um, and these questions are going to be, they'll be right up here, and we'll have a couple of minutes. We're not going to have to share these with anyone. Take time and be honest with the answers of these. What we are looking for here is to understand how we would answer these as if we were talking to someone that we just met or, or trying to write down there at the bottom, how would you describe yourself? They don't have to be complete sentences, they phrases, just words. Um, just take a couple of minutes here and, and just kind of answer that in a couple of, um, couple of phrases or words for me. Uh, and that is, what are some things that you like to do if someone's asking you this, right, and how you would answer this? Or if they're asking me, tell me a little bit about yourself. Or if I'm asking you directly right now, how would you describe yourself? So take about two minutes or so and, and do that for me, please. So that's a, that's a prompt. We don't have to stop there, but maybe just for right now we will, and you can keep that exercise going in a little bit. And don't put that too far. We will come back to what you wrote uh, in a little bit later today. So those aren't the only questions that we've been asking from the stage recently. Over the past two weeks, Burke was up here two weeks ago, and he asked the top question there. It says, how will you respond to his invitation to, to pursue his will? The his there meaning God. Right? And, and Burke brought the heart and the will of God that was consistent throughout the entire Word of God when he taught two weeks ago. And then last week, Eric supported that and challenged us even further with the question there, the second one. It says, how will your response be different this time? And he supported that with Jesus' authority and his right to be Lord of our life because of, of frankly, what Mindy has just brought us, the, the death at the cross that she just sang about. Right? And so this week, we are going to talk a little bit about, we're first going to look to the Word and look at some passages about how we could uh, really answer those and how it starts to form what is our identity. So as I was preparing for this message um, in, our, in our coffee, tea, nook, breakfast area, we have some, some cards in the, in the cabinet face. And one of them is this, it's Psalm 73, 28. It's very short, but man, it's, it's so beautiful at the same time. It says, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord that I will declare all your works. And it, again, just the simplicity there, it startled me of how it was so boiled down. And it reminded me uh, further of, of a very simple kind of question and answer that happened with Jesus when he was asked the question of, what is the greatest commandment in the law? You see, there was a person that was trying to possibly challenge Jesus and ask him this, and he was looking to, uh, maybe a similar way, ask how we define ourselves or what should we be doing, right? And that was the, the heart of his question, but he asked it there. And Jesus responds, and, and this is the he, the capital he, right? This is Jesus speaking to the, the person that asked this and says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second, 
right there, along with it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus, Jesus boils it down in simplicity to these two things, right? It is, it is not the understanding, he says, that is difficult because of its simplicity, but rather the execution, right? And, that, and that's not something that is just here, but we see that uh, throughout the New Testament. And these are the passages that we're going to look to that su- support this. So we see it first as a, as a highlight here in, in Ephesians 4, and this is Paul speaking. And he says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on your new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Paul isn't just talking specifically and giving this to the Ephesians, and we know that because a similar manner of his nature is shown in 2 Corinthians, here chapter 5, starting in verse 15, or 17, I'm sorry. It says, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creator, creature. The old things have passed away, and behold, new things have come. Now all of these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, as through God we're, entering, we're entreating through us we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And we are passing through these passages a little quickly. We will talk about and summarize them in a minute, but understand that as we talk through them, that doesn't make their weight any less. Listen to the words that are in here. Ambassadors for Christ, as though God were entreating through us and begging to be reconciled to God, those are things of weight, and they speak a little bit of value and identity. And it's not just Paul that is speaking to this, but Peter as well. It is a theme because it is the heart of God, and that's what we've been looking at and talking about. And in 1 Peter 2, verse 9 here, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have mercy. See, understand that it is with all of these, the Bible and the message that is God's will is unchanging. It's the same that we just saw in these passages And where we started in Psalm 73 at the beginning today, if we go back to that passage and read a little bit before it, we pick up in verse 23 and just read a little bit more. I'd encourage you in all of these passages, as you maybe jot them down today, to look at at the extent of, the full extent of the passage, because we're just highlighting a a little bit of the verses today. But, But verse 23 here picks up and it says, nevertheless, I am continually with you, so this is, this is Psalms. Let's put this in context. This is David speaking to God. 
Right? So the I there is David speaking to God, the you, the capital U. It says, you hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Whom, I, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart, and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Notice before we leave that verse, the certainty that is in those statements, my flesh and my heart, it's not may fail or possibly fail, fail, right? That's a, that's a statement right there. And then the strength of his heart and portion forever is from God. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. But you have destroyed all of those who desert you for harlotry. And then we end here, which is where we start, and it says, But it is good for me to draw near to God. And I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I will declare all of your works. And so hopefully you can see the theme that is in these passages that is the theme throughout the Bible of God's will and the heart. And, and here... It brings us back, if we move even back the further from this morning, uh, these were the questions that we ask, or I ask you, I guess, right? And, and what we're getting at here when we answer these a little bit and when we talk to people about this is really, we're basically telling them or answering this and describing our identity, right? Who we are, what defines us, what makes us up. Now, I ask you guys to be honest, and I ask you that, or I let you know that you didn't have to share. So I'm going to be honest, but I am going to share with you guys. So when I often answer these kinds of questions in conversation, I will say that usually, again, as I bear my truth to you, usually my answers look a lot like this, or, or my discussions. They have some of these words in here that I use to describe me, engineer, brother, son, uncle, friend, father hunter, right? All of these things, they're, they're who I am or relationships I have or things I like to do. But they're almost all of my own effort and just to describe me in some simplicity, right? But if we look back at the passages that we just looked at, there, there's a contrast here that makes me uncomfortable. And, and, and so that's why I'm sharing them with you, because I'm, I'm wanting to grow with you guys. Because what we read today, earlier, those passages highlighted these things. It said that when we are on our own, we used, the Bible used words like corrupt and a failing people, right? And I, and I have the, the references over there from the side, so you can see where we're pulling these from. That's what defines us on our own. But then, in, in terms of wrapping this up. We've been talking about this for a week, so hopefully this isn't a surprise, but maybe a little harsh of a contrast. But again, the surprise shouldn't, shouldn't be there too much because we've heard statements like this before, hopefully here over the past couple of weeks. And in Luke, in Luke Jesus makes another one of these statements that, my goodness, it just, if we read it and if we meditate on it, it's a little bit paralyzing. And he says this, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and cross, take up his cross daily, emphasis mine, and follow me. So there, there's a message there, not just for a new believer that is to pick up their cross, but for every believer, because it is what? It's 
daily, right? Every day. That means everyone every day to follow Him. And then as, as we see that, right, that, there's clarity there, I think, in that short statement, right? So what we're missing, it isn't clarity. Rather, I would argue it's commitment. The, the message, right, is clear, but when it's not realized, it's the commitment that is missing. Because we see, and again, in the passages that we just looked through, that in Christ, this is how we're described. We are a new self or a new creation, right? We, it says we are apportioned with God's strength. We are reassured with, with God's strength. And this takes us just as easily back to that answer that Jesus gave to that question of the two greatest commandments. Because if this is who we are in Christ, does that make us a finished creation? So Jesus answered, and He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. Right? I said earlier about, and I, I talked some about the unchanging nature of God if you look back, this is very akin and, and comes from one of my favorite Bible passages in Deuteronomy 6, which is the Shemots. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Bonus if you write that down and look it up. It's awesome. But, but Jesus is stating the same thing. He's looking at this guy and saying, this hasn't changed. It's been the will of God all along. Again, there's, it's not omission. It's ownership. That's what Jesus is calling for here. That's what he's saying. So when we take this and we, we take hold of that ownership, then our identity really becomes the things not which we have achieved, but the things that we have received from God, right? And so then our identity in the way that we should describe ourselves, it changes to things like ambassador or steward or a new creation, or a child of God. And hopefully, that sounds a bit reassuring to you. But herein, if you will, allow me to lean in to your comfortness and kind of shake it a little bit more, is the challenge. Because in what Jesus said when he answered the man, there wasn't just one statement. There was two. And he said the second is like it. It's right there with it. It says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, the, the, the definition or the, the way in which we describe God's will doesn't just stop with us and this identity. Rather, in Christ, we should be doing things that we read in the passages today. Again, summarized here. Look at these words, please. Speaking declaring. Now, this one, this one got me. Begging. How does that sound to you guys? Could that hurt me a little bit? It made me uncomfortable when I read it. I didn't like it, but it's there, so I need to listen to it. What does it say? It says that we should be beg others to be reconciled, that we love others so much as ourselves that we are begging them to take hold of the gift of God right? And if it makes you uncomfortable, that's okay, because what we read is that we need to die to self. If we're a new creation, our self is not what is the priority. 
right? The fact that we are stewarding, that we are an ambassador, that is what we should be walking out. Again, it's not clarity. I think when I look at these, and I I showed you my answer, so I want to be honest with you, that it's not clarity that I lack, it's commitment when I fail to define and describe myself properly as a child of God. So he said, well, David, why then did you ask us to do this thing in the first place and write these things down as identity? That was confusing. Hopefully, if you bear with me here, there was a point to it. See, too often, I feel like I, I'll just say I, and if you're comfortable, then you can put you in that place as well. I use this to define myself, right? But this isn't my identity, right? Because we know what our identity is. We just read it. So what is this? Is it useless? Do we ball up the paper and throw it out? No, not yet, because that's why we wrote it down, okay? Rather, if we look the whole way through the passages that we described today and we read and, and summarized, we see that these are areas of stewardship, that these are places that we don't define ourselves from, but that we take our identity to, and that we take the will of God and the, His love for everyone to. And that's how we answer not just these questions, but then who we go and talk to, right? And so, that stewardship and and ambassador. Let's close with this. In Colossians 1, it says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. We talked about that beg earlier, how that makes me me uncomfortable. There's going to be a point of suffering there for me if I am begging someone. It says, I fill up my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Jesus. Because as much as I suffered, how much more may I suffer for him? How much more did he suffer for me? For the sake of his body, which is the church, that's us right now, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. You see, it wasn't just given, Paul who's writing the Colossians, Hopefully, you've seen as we've read the passages today that this is the progression of all of us, or should be for all of us, that we should fill up the flesh that is lacking and become a minister, a stewardship for God, right? As we get filled up from God's love that are overflowing, that's what we heard today in song, right? That our wellspring our wellspring isn't like meant to be capped at like a teacup that has a top on it that won't let anything out. It's to overflow. And, and that's what this says here, that, that this ministry stewardship of God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Well, the word of God, do we remember what it said? Because we read it earlier. That it is that same simple message that we read in those passages that we saw Jesus answer, right? It's two things. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Matthew 22, 36 through 39. Write it down. Check it out later. Work on it. Work through it because it's challenging. With all your soul and with all your mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He is asking right there, not just to take ownership of it, which may be in and of itself the first step, 
but it doesn't stop there. It's to love others as yourself. And that's what we're reading here in Colossians as we become that steward. You guys pray with me so we, we can receive this. Father God, I thank you, God. Thank you that, that we read of ourselves, of how broken we are, God. But yet, how much you gave for us, not, not just once, but continually, and even still, even more. And that the ends of your love effectively knows no bounds. And God, we, we not only receive it, but we look to be filled by it. We look to be identified by it, by you. God, and as we receive and own that identity, that we would fully understand that the gift of your love is not just for us, but it is for all. God, that we would take and receive that, not just this morning in your word, but today in our lives, and even this week as we go. God, let your identity flow through us. Amen.